Welcome to the Voice of Choice Conversations podcast series. This is a podcast series about our beautiful, messy, and imperfect transformational journeys, where we grow and expand and stretch through the power of stories and wisdom and experiences. And we explore our gifts and our purpose, our roles and our fears. We also connect to our higher self while unapologetically stepping into our greatness. And we use energy as our currency and clarity as our lens. And we use all of this to change our current reality into our desired reality. So come and dream big as we bust apart fears and grow wings with our sisters. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, depending on where you are in the world. Welcome back to the Voice of Choice podcast series. This is episode number two, and it is also part two of my story called Dissecting My Marriage Story. And before I go into sharing my story around my marriage, I want to first let you know that a lot of what I uh, shared, apparently I'm going to use that word multiple times in the first minute, a lot of what I shared in the first episode, I have never spoken out loud and nobody's ever heard. So the same thing is going to happen in part two of my story, Dissecting My Marriage. A lot of what I'm going to share, I've never shared with anybody. So y'all get first front row VIP seats to my ugly, messy, and imperfect adventure to date. It's also my adventure, and I wouldn't change any of it, just so we're clear. So I shared with you that I've got, um, that I broke down the decades of my life into what I call chapters. And from the age of 10 to 20, I call chaos, from 20 to 30, I call compromise. From 30 to 40, I call questions. And from 40 to 50, I call the change. So today, as I share with you my marriage story, um, I'm going to go through the second half of chaos, the entire decade of compromise, the entire decade of questioning, and into the decade of change. So in my 20s, I compromised the intuition right out of myself. And in my 30s, I began to question the whole bloody story. And in my 40s, I began to change back into who I was meant to be before the world told me who they thought I should be. So my nomadic story continues because I had one more massive nomadic path um, before I settled down. And that path, number three, took me from Strathmore or <clears throat> outside of Calgary back to Kelowna. And then into the South Pacific, over to New Zealand and a bunch of places, back to Whitehorse, to Regina, to Saskatoon, and then finally to the Comox Valley, which is a story in itself. So now I've been in the Comox Valley longer than all of the other places I've lived in put together, and I think that's 14 different places. So this is a tough part of my story to share, because the other person in this story isn't here to stand up for himself. So I'm just going to start by saying that this is my experience and my story, but it may not be his. So I met my future ex-husband <laughs> when I was very young. I think I was around like 19. And we immediately settled sort of into a comfortably numb relationship that included a lot of drinking wine and not a lot of depth, which was actually perfect for me because by this time in my life, I didn't trust anyone. 
So when I look back over our 27 years together, I understand now that I was actually perfect for him too, because I didn't challenge him to be anything. Oh, and I also paid off all his debts and turned a blind eye to his horrific relationship with money. With my ex-husband, I used every strategy I had created in order to live in the marriage. I numbed myself, dummied myself down so I wasn't too anything, didn't use my voice, I avoided my truth, closed my heart, emptied my desires, stuck my head in the sand, hid in the proverbial closet called happy marriage, and compromised basically the intuition, wisdom, and soul right out of myself. Which actually makes it sound like I didn't like being married or the person I was married to, which, which actually isn't the case at all. I love the concept of marriage to one person and learning how to grow into sort of a beautiful combination of harmony and expansion as you support and encourage each, each other to be the very best you can be. I just didn't have it with him. So I stuck my head in the sand and ass in the air and basically prayed someone didn't come along and park their bike in my ass. And I survived and I did what we all do buried it all, and lived the image of happily ever after. So our relationship actually lasted 27 years. And I can remember when he asked if he could join me when I accepted a contract in the Yukon, I said, sure. But what I really meant was, no. And when he proposed, I said yes. When my heart was thinking, no, thank you. I'm too young and I don't even know what love is. And when we got married in a Catholic church with the whole ridiculous insanity of getting married in a Catholic church, for you, mom and dad, I said, sure, when my head was saying, run, (laughs) run. When my husband got fired from his job for something he did, that I'm still not too sure what it was he did, I stuck my head in the sand and believed him, even though my gut was telling me he had done something wrong. And we actually moved out of the Yukon because of that. And I kept my head in the sand and numbed every bit of intuition that was screaming at me to wake the fuck up. So it went that way for like 17 years. Clearly, I am a slow learner. Um, But don't get me wrong, because the first 15 years together were actually pretty good. We did a lot and we experienced a lot. We met a lot of amazing people. We did a lot of pretty cool things. But we were partners and friends more than a married couple. Or at least that was how it was for me. He didn't challenge me mentally, emotionally, spiritually, or physically. And the lack of stimulation was basically starting to create cracks in my thinking. And those cracks were actually letting in the light of honest realization that I was stuck. Especially when I realized I was pregnant. That was a pivotal time for me because I didn't want to be pregnant. I didn't want to be a mother. I didn't want to give up physio school. I didn't want to be limited by motherhood. I cried when I found out I was pregnant. And, I, and I'm not talking about the good kind of cry as in, I'm so happy. But the bad kind of cry like, no, this can't be happening. And that was just solidified when I fainted in the doctor's office when he confirmed the horrible news. I remember waking up and the doctor going, is this good news or bad news? <laughs> Clearly, it's not good news, Doc. Anyways, no one could have told me at that time that it actually would be the greatest gift I ever received. And for that, I am eternally thankful to my ex-husband. My son is my rock, my little redneck angel, and my human band-aid. 
He gave me structure and purpose and direction, and I was finally able to use all my gifts without judgment. I could love him unconditionally. I could play and act with him like a goofy child. I could snuggle and smother him with acceptance and compassion and kindness. I could teach him how to cook and to communicate and to share and to work hard and to love and to laugh. And without realizing it, my gifts were slowly starting to drift back to the surface of my being. And over the last 10 years of our marriage, I began to realize that in order to save myself, I was going to have to leave the marriage. Not the family or my son, just the marriage. I just did not know how that was going to work. I didn't know how I was going to do it. I just knew eventually the day would come. So there was an interesting incident that happened when our son was 14 and my ex-husband, out of the blue, he told me he didn't want to be married to me anymore. And I remembered I was shocked, floored, stunned, incredulous, and instantly scared. Because I'd been thinking about separating for a long time, but I never once thought he was thinking the same thing. It was an eye-opener and a reality check that I wasn't the one who was going to leave. So long story short, he moved out and we kept it all quiet because that's what we do. We hide our feelings, hide my emotions, hide my fears, sorrows, dreams, hide my reality in order to maintain a carefully crafted image that was all bullshit. So I went through the five steps of mourning in Mia style, which is lightning fast. Denial. He wouldn't leave me. Anger. How dare he leave me? I do the leaving. Bargaining. Maybe what? Maybe we need to try to fix what's broken. Depression. Well, I skipped this step because me and deep feeling <laughs> don't get along. Acceptance. Fuck him. I'm better off without him. Anyways, we got back together <laughs> and limped along, maintaining our carefully crafted image of happily ever after when the darndest thing happened. I received an anonymous handwritten letter in the mail informing me that my husband had been having an affair with someone in his office for quite some time. It, the letter told me, you know, to go check his phone and I would see all the proof I needed. And the letter also said the same thing had happened to, I don't know, him or her. I have no idea who wrote the letter. And they didn't want to see me going through the same hell that they went through. And as I read the letter, once again, I was shocked to realize the extent of how my head in the sand, ass in the air strategy had kept me in a bubble of denial. So I showed him the letter without any emotion attached, which should have been the first indication it was probably time to leave, and asked if this was true, which he denied, because of course he would deny it. I bought into all of the lies and deceit so far, so why not this one? The money lies, the time lies, the debt lies, the tax evasion lies, the drinking lies, the I love you lie. And now for the golden light of awareness moment. do 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 I didn't give a flying fuck that he was having an affair. It felt like I was e- eating a ham sandwich, not hearing that my life was about to forever change. That day, when I received that letter, was me taking the first step towards my freedom. It was also the summer our son graduated and turned 17, another milestone that I didn't realize I was waiting for in order to step into my new life. But I hung in there for another six months as I began to mourn, accept, heal, forgive, and meet the Mia that had been hidden away in the basement of my being for 40 years. 
I began to rise above the funky fog of denial and head towards the golden light of awareness that I was better than all of this. Much, much better than all of this. Not better than him or better than us or better than them, but better than who I had been compromised into being for most of my life. I remember the day I left the marriage. I woke up to the realization that the decision was made and the details were just that, details. And I had total faith they would work out, they would basically work themselves out. I didn't care about the details. I cared about my mental health, my well-being, my life, my boundaries, my responsibility to my son and to myself. I cared about my future and my legacy, my purpose, my greatness, my love, my compassion, my humor, my heart, my health. All the things I had compromised in order to say, I do. I do fit in a box that is way too small for me. I do what others need, want, and expect in order to maintain status quo. I do everything for everyone. I do avoid my intuition, voice, and truth. I do what I'm expected to do because the world told me from a very young age that I didn't have the right or the power to be who I wanted to be. That morning, I sat on the edge of the couch and told my husband I wanted to separate and that I was going to move out and I'd figure things out one step at a time. Now, my ex-husband may have gotten the best years of my life, but I wouldn't change any of it for a second because he gave me two priceless things in life. First and foremost, our son. And second, the maturity to do the moving out. So he felt the breakdown was because of him, which, of course, a marriage is two people. So the breakdown happened because of both of us. I I 100% take responsibility that I was part of the problem. But he felt he was a greater part of the issue and the breakdown. So he figured he should move out, which I happily agreed to. My entire motivation at this point was to save our son from as much of the heartbreak as humanly possible. And staying in the home with him was the best way to keep normalcy for him. It took him several weeks to find an apartment. And by the time he moved out, I had completed all the steps of mourning and grieving and was on to the first step of celebrating my independence for the first time in 27 years. Take that in. 27 years. From the time I was 19 to 47. So I purged the entire house that weekend. I threw all the bedding away and bought all new bedding. I purged the photo albums and I removed any trace of him from the bedroom. I did this all discreetly but ceremoniously. And although he informed me he was seeking counseling for his wounds and his addictions and his past, so we might have a chance at reconciliation, I didn't have the heart to tell him. He could actually become a frickin' therapist and I'd never get back with him. I was done. I was out. I was single, excited, happy, healthy, and full of motherfucking adventure and curiosity. So five months later, I told him... <clears throat> I had spoken to a lawyer and wanted to move from separation to divorce. And guess what? Within two days, he was dating the woman from the letter. (laughs) So we both got what we desired more than anything. I got my freedom, my son and my health, and he got a relationship that allowed him to fertilize every wound, addiction, and fear he was avoiding. Glennon Doyle says, the author Glennon Doyle says, when deep injury is done to us, we can never heal until we forgive. Forgiving my ex-husband was easy because he gave me my son and my freedom. 
And those were the greatest gifts I could possibly ask for. And I tell you all this because some of you are living in the same lie, the same pain, or the same desperate story. And it's certainly no one's place, especially mine, to tell you how to leave, when to leave, or why you should leave. The only person who has the right to tell you that is your higher and greater self. The one thing I will share and have shared many times is if you wait until you have figured all out, it will be too late. You'll never leave because you can never have it all figured out. What's important is to figure out the biggest piece, and that's being true to you. And the details always have a way of showing up. Always. They're called details for a reason. Just do it for you. For your six-year-old self and your 16-year-old self and your 26-year-old self and your 36-year-old self and your 46-year-old self. And if all of this or any part of this resonates with you, then you've outgrown the box of happily ever after. You've outgrown the box of should, need, hope, wish, when, if, maybe. You've outgrown your old self and it's time to step up and discover who you are truly meant to be without the confines of the box. So if you are ready, truly ready to take this work to the next level, write a new chapter to the story you've created for yourself, or tap into the, to the potential that has been dormant, open up the floodgates of all the possibility that live within you. Reach out, let's connect. We'll book your divine alignment call so we can map out your very first next step of your next chapter. Thank you so much for listening. Part three coming your way soon, dissecting my legacy.